0: I'm Richard Figge, and this is for Reading Out Loud. Thanks for joining me this evening. Tonight's author is Rudyard Kipling, a writer whose reputation has risen and fallen with the changing waves of political climate. Despised by many for his celebration of British imperialism, his calls to assume the white man's burden, and his jingoism, he is still beloved for his gifts as a storyteller and poet, especially for his stories for children, such as the Just So stories and the Jungle Books. I suppose when we think of Kipling, we think of him in India and England, but he also spent time in America, and it was while living in Vermont in the 1890s that he wrote the Jungle Books, the source of tonight's story. I'm sure my mother read many of the stories to my brother and sister and me. This is the one I remember most vividly. Ricky tikki tavi by Rudyard Kipling. This is the story of the great war that Rikki-Tikki-Tavi fought single-handedly through the bathrooms of the big bungalow. Darzee, the tailor-bird, helped him, and Chuchundra, the muskrat, gave him advice, but Rikki-Tikki did the real fighting. He was a mongoose, rather like a little cat in his fur and his tail, but quite like a weasel in his head and his habits. His eyes and the end of his restless nose were pink. He could scratch himself anywhere he pleased, with any leg, front or back, and his war cry as he scuttled through the long grass was, Rick, tick, ticky, ticky, chick. One day a high summer flood washed him out of his burrow where he lived with his father and mother and carried him, kicking and clucking, down a roadside ditch, he found a little wisp of grass floating there and clung to it till he lost his senses. When he revived, he was lying in the hot sun on the middle of a garden path, very draggled indeed, and a small boy was saying, "'Here's a dead mongoose. Let's have a funeral.' "'No,' said his mother, "'let's take him in and dry him.' A big man picked him up between his finger and thumb and said he was not dead but half choked. So they wrapped him in cotton wool and warmed him, and he opened his eyes and sneezed. "'Now,' said the big man, he was an Englishman who had just moved into the bungalow, "'don't frighten him, and we'll see what he'll do. It is the hardest thing in the world to frighten a mongoose, because he is eaten up from nose to tail with curiosity.' The motto of all the mongoose family is, Run and Find Out, and Rikki-Tikki was a true mongoose. He looked at the cotton wool, decided that it was not good to eat, ran all around the table, sat up and put his fur in order, scratched himself, and jumped on the small boy's shoulder. "'Don't be frightened, Teddy,' said his father. "'That's his way of making friends.' "'Oh!' he's tickling under my chin,' said Teddy. Rikki-tikki snuffed at his ear and climbed down to the floor where he sat rubbing his nose. "'Good gracious,' said Teddy's mother, "'and that's a wild creature. I suppose he's so tame because we've been kind to him.' "'All mongooses are like that,' said her husband. "'If Teddy doesn't pick him up by the tail or try to put him in a cage, he'll run in and out of the house all day long. Let's give him something to eat.' He spent all that day roaming over the house. He nearly drowned himself in the bathtub, put his nose in the ink on a writing-table, and burned it on the end of the big man's cigar, for he climbed up in the big man's lap to see how writing was done. At night he ran into Teddy's nursery, and when Teddy went to bed, Rikki-Tikki climbed up too. But he was a restless companion, because he had to get up and attend to every noise all through the night and find out what made it. Teddy's mother and father came in, the last thing, to look at their boy, and Rikki-Tikki was awake on the pillow. "'I don't like that,' said Teddy's mother. "'He may bite the child. He'll do no such thing,' said the father. "Teddy's safer with that little beast than if he had a bloodhound to watch him. If a snake came into the nursery now—' But Teddy's mother wouldn't think of anything so awful.' Early in the morning Rikki-Tikki came to early breakfast in the veranda riding on Teddy's shoulder, and they gave him banana and some boiled egg, and he sat on all their laps one after the other. Then Rikki-Tikki went out into the garden to see what was to be seen. It was a large garden, only half cultivated, with bushes as big as summer houses of Marshall Neal roses, lime and orange trees, clumps of bamboos, and thickets of high grass. Rikki-tikki licked his lips. "'This is a splendid hunting-ground,' he said, and he scuttled up and down the garden, snuffing here and there, till he heard very sorrowful voices in a thorn-bush. It was Darzee the tailor-bird and his wife. "'What is the matter?' asked Rikki-tikki. "'We are very miserable,' said Darzee. "'One of our babies fell out of the nest yesterday, and Nog ate him.' "'Hm,' said Rikki-tikki, "'that is very sad. "'But I am a stranger here. "'Who is Nog?' "'Darzee and his wife "'only cowered down in the nest "'without answering, "'for from the thick grass "'at the foot of the bush "'there came a low hiss, "'a horrid, cold sound "'that made Rikki-tikki "'jump back two clear feet. "'Then, inch by inch, "'out of the grass,' rose up the head and spread hood of Nog, the big black cobra, and he was five feet long from tongue to tail. When he had lifted one-third of himself clear of the ground, he stayed balancing to and fro, and he looked at Rikki-tikki with the wicked snake's eyes that never change their expression, whatever the snake may be thinking of. "'Who is Nag? he said, "'I am Nag. Look, and be afraid.' He spread his hood more than ever, and Rikki-Tikki was afraid for the minute, but it is impossible for a mongoose to stay frightened for any length of time, and though Rikki-Tikki had never met a live cobra before, his mother had fed him on dead ones, and he knew that all a grown mongoose's business in life was—' to fight and eat snakes. Nog knew that, too, and at the bottom of his cold heart he was afraid. "'Well,' said Rikki-Tikki, and his tail began to fluff up again, "'do you think it is right for you to eat fledglings out of a nest?' Nog was thinking to himself, and watching the least little movement in the grass behind Rikki-Tikki. He wanted to get Rikki-Tikki off his guard— so he dropped his head a little and put it on one side. "'Let us talk,' he said. "'You eat eggs. Why should I not eat birds?' "'Behind you! Look behind you!' sang Darzee. Rikki-tikki knew better than to waste time in staring. He jumped up in the air as high as he could go, and just under him whizzed the head of Nagaina, Nog's wicked wife. She had crept up behind him as he was talking to make an end of him, and he heard her savage hiss as the stroke missed. He came down almost across her back, and if he had been an old mongoose, he would have known that then was the time to break her back with one bite. But he was afraid of the terrible lashing return stroke of the cobra. He bit, indeed, but he did not bite long enough and he jumped clear of the whisking tail, leaving Nagaina torn and angry. "'Wicked, wicked Darzee,' said Nog, lashing up as high as he could reach toward the nest in the thorn-bush, but Darzee had built it out of reach of snakes, and it only swayed to and fro. Rikki-tikki felt his eyes growing red and hot. When a mongoose's eyes grow red, he is angry.' and he sat back on his tail and hind legs like a little kangaroo and looked all around him and chattered with rage. But Nag and Nagaina had disappeared into the grass. When a snake misses its stroke, it never says anything or gives any sign of what it means to do next. Rikki-tikki did not care to follow them, for he did not feel sure that he could manage two snakes at once. So he trotted off to the gravel path near the house and sat down to think. It was a serious matter for him. If you read the old books of natural history, you will find they say that when the mongoose fights the snake and happens to get bitten, he runs off and eats some herb that cures him. That is not true. The victory is only a matter of quickness of eye and quickness of foot. The snake's blow against mongoose's jump and as no eye can follow the motion of a snake's head when it strikes, that makes things much more wonderful than any magic herb. Rikki-tikki knew he was a young mongoose, and it made him all the more pleased to think that he had managed to escape a blow from behind. It gave him confidence in himself, and when Teddy came running down the path, Rikki-tikki was ready to be petted. That night at dinner, walking to and fro among the wine-glasses on the table, he could have stuffed himself three times over with nice things, but he remembered Nag and Nagaina, and he remembered that a full meal makes a slow mongoose, and if he wanted all his strength and quickness ready, he must keep himself thin. Teddy carried him off to bed and insisted on Rikki-Tikki sleeping under his chin. Rikki-Tikki was too well-bred to bite or scratch, but as soon as Teddy was asleep, he went off for his nightly walk around the house, and in the dark he ran up against Chuchundra, the muskrat, creeping round by the wall. "'Those who kill snakes get killed by snakes,' said Chuchundra sorrowfully. "'And how am I to be sure that Nag won't mistake me for you some dark night?' "'There's not the least danger,' said Rikki-tikki. "'But Nag is in the garden, and I know you don't go there.' My cousin Chua the rat told me, said Chuchundra, and then he stopped. Told you what? Shhh! Nag is everywhere, Rikki-tikki. Can't you hear, Rikki-tikki? Rikki-tikki listened. The house was as still as still, but he thought he could just catch the faintest scratch-scratch in the world, a noise as faint as that of a wasp walking on a window-pane, the dry scratch of a snake's scales on brickwork. "'That's nag, or Nagaina,' he said to himself, and he is crawling into the bathroom sluice. He stole off to Teddy's bathroom, but there was nothing there, and then to Teddy's mother's bathroom. At the bottom of the smooth plaster wall there was a brick pulled out to make a sluice for the bath-water, and as Ricky stole in by the masonry curb where the bath is put, he heard Nag and Nagaina whispering together outside in the moonlight. "'When the house is emptied of people,' said Nagaina to her husband, "'he will have to go away, and then the garden will be our own again. Go in quietly, and remember—' "'that the big man is the first one to bite. "'Then come out and tell me, "'and we will hunt for Rikki-tikki together.' "'But are you sure that there is anything to be gained "'by killing the people?' said Nog. "'Everything. "'When there were no people in the bungalow, "'did we have any mongoose in the garden? "'So long as the bungalow is empty,' "'We are king and queen of the garden, and remember that as soon as our eggs in the melon-bed hatch, as they may to our children will need room and quiet.' "'Yes,' said Nog, "'I will go, but there is no need that we should hunt for Rikki-tikki afterward. I will kill the big man, and his wife, and the child if I can.' and come away quietly. Then the bungalow will be empty, and Rikki-Tikki will go. Then Nog's head came through the sluice, and his five feet of cold body followed it. Angry as he was, Rikki-Tikki was very frightened as he saw the size of the big cobra. Nog coiled himself, raised his head, AND LOOKED INTO THE BATHROOM IN THE DARK, AND RICKY COULD SEE HIS EYES GLITTER. NOW IF I KILL HIM HERE, NAGAINA WILL KNOW, AND IF I FIGHT HIM HERE ON THE OPEN FLOOR, THE ODDS ARE IN HIS FAVOR. WHAT AM I TO DO? SAID RICKY TICKY TAVI. THE BIG MAN HAS A STICK, SAID NOG. HE MAY HAVE THAT STICK STILL but when he comes in to bathe in the morning, he will not have a stick. I shall wait here till he comes. Nagaina. Do you hear me? I shall wait here in the cool till daytime. There was no answer from outside, so Rikki-tikki knew Nagaina had gone away. Nog coiled himself down, coil by coil, round the bulge at the bottom of the water-jar, and Rikki-tikki stayed still as death. After an hour he began to move, muscle by muscle, toward the jar. Nog was asleep, and Rikki-tikki looked at his big back, wondering which would be the best place for a good hold. "'If I don't break his back at the first jump,' said Rikki, he can still fight. He looked at the thickness of the neck below the hood." But that was too much for him, and a bite near the tail would only make Nog savage. It must be the head, he said at last, the head above the hood. And when I am once there, I must not let go. Then he jumped. The head was lying a little clear of the water jar under the curve of it, and as his teeth met, Ricky braced his back against the bulge of the red earthenware to hold down the head. This gave him just one second's purchase, and he made the most of it. Then he was battered to and fro as a rat is shaken by a dog, to and fro on the floor, up and down, and round in great circles, upsetting the tin dipper and the soap dish, and banged against the tin side of the bath. As he held, he closed his jaws tighter and tighter, for he made sure he would be banged to death, and for the honor of his family he preferred to be found with his teeth locked. He was dizzy, aching, and felt shaken to pieces when something went off like a thunderclap just behind him. A hot wind knocked him senseless, and red fire singed his fur. The big man had been wakened by the noise and had fired both barrels of a shotgun into Nog just behind the hood. Rikki Tikki held on with his eyes shut, for now he was quite sure he was dead. But the head of the snake did not move, and the big man picked him up and said, It's the mongoose again, Alice. The little chap has saved our lives now. When morning came, he was very stiff but well pleased with his doings. Now I have Nagaina to settle with, and she will be worse than five Nogs, and there's no knowing when the eggs she spoke of will hatch. Goodness! Without waiting for breakfast, Rikki-Tikki ran to the thorn-bush where Darzee was singing a song of triumph at the top of his voice. The news of Nog's death was all over the garden. "'Nog is dead! Is dead! Is dead!' sang Darzee. The valiant Rikki-tikki caught him by the head and held fast. "'All oh, that's true enough, but where's Nagaina?' said Rikki-tikki, looking carefully round him. "'You're safe enough in your nest there, but it's war for me down here. Stop singing a minute, Darzee.' "'For the great, the beautiful Rikki-tikki's sake I will stop,' said Darzee. "'What is it, O killer of the terrible Nag?' "'Great is Rikki-tikki with the white teeth. Never mind my white teeth. Have you ever heard where she keeps her eggs? In the melon-bed, on the end nearest the wall, where the sun strikes nearly all day. She had them there weeks ago. And you never thought it worth while to tell me? Darzee, If you have a grain of sense, you will fly off to the stables and pretend that your wing is broken and let Nagaina chase you away to this bush. I must get to the melon-bed, and if I went there now, she'd see me. Darzee's wife was a sensible bird, and she knew that cobra's eggs meant young cobras later on. So she flew off from the nest and fluttered in front of Nagaina by the rubbish heap and cried out, Oh, my wing is broken. The boy in the house threw a stone at me and broke it. Then she fluttered more desperately than ever. Nagaina lifted up her head and hissed. You warned Rikki Tikki when I would have killed him. Indeed and truly, you have chosen a bad place to be lame in. And she moved toward Darzee's wife, slipping along over the dust. My husband lies in the rubbish heap this morning, but before night the boy in the house will lie very still. What is the use of running away? I am sure to catch you. Little fool, look at me. Darcy's wife knew better than to do that, for a bird who looks at a snake's eyes gets so frightened that she cannot move. Darcy's wife fluttered on, piping sorrowfully and never leaving the ground, and Nagaina quickened her pace. Rikki-tikki heard them going up the path from the stables, and he raced for the end of the melon-patch near the wall. There, in the warm litter about the melons, very cunningly hidden, he found twenty-five eggs, but with whitish skin instead of shell." he could see the baby cobras curled up inside the skin, and he knew that the minute they were hatched they could each kill a man or a mongoose. He bit off the tops of the eggs as fast as he could, taking care to crush the young cobras, and turned over the litter from time to time to see whether he had missed any. At last there were only three eggs left, and Rikki-Tikki began to chuckle to himself when he heard Darzee's wife screaming, "'Rikki-tikki, I led Nagaina toward the house, and she has gone into the veranda, and—oh, come quickly, she means killing.' Rikki-tikki smashed two eggs and tumbled backward down the melon bed with the third egg in his mouth, and scuttled to the veranda as hard as he could put foot to the ground. Teddy and his mother and father were there at early breakfast. But Rikki Tikki saw that they were not eating anything. They sat stone still, and their faces were white. Nagaina was coiled up on the matting by Teddy's chair, within easy striking distance of Teddy's bare leg, and she was swaying to and fro, singing a song of triumph. Son of the big man that killed Nag, she hissed, stay still. I am not ready yet. Wait a little. Keep very still, all you three. If you move, I strike, and if you do not move, I strike. Oh, foolish people who killed my nag! Teddy's eyes were fixed on his father, and all his father could do was to whisper, "'Sit still, Teddy. You mustn't move. Teddy!' Keep still. Then Rikki Tikki came up and cried, Turn round, Nagaina! Turn and fight! All in good time, said she, without moving her eyes. I will settle my account with you presently. Look at your friends, Rikki Tikki. They are still and white. They are afraid. They dare not move and if you come a step nearer, I strike. Look at your eggs, said Rikki-tikki, in the melon bed near the wall. Go and look, Nagaina. The big snake turned half round and saw the egg on the veranda. Ah! Give it to me, she said. Rikki-tikki put his paws one on each side of the egg, and his eyes were blood-red. What price for a snake's egg, for a young cobra, for a young king cobra, for the last, the very last of the brood? The ants are eating all the others down by the melon bed. Nagaina spun clear round, forgetting everything for the sake of the one egg." and Rikki-tikki saw Teddy's father shoot out a big hand, catch Teddy by the shoulder, and drag him across the little table with the teacups, safe and out of reach of Nagaina. "'Tricked! Tricked! Tricked! Rik-tik-tik!' chuckled Rikki-tikki. "'The boy is safe, and it was I, I, I that caught Nag by the hood last night in the bathroom.' Then he began to jump up and down, all four feet together, his head close to the floor. He was dead, before the big man blew him in two. "'I did it! Rikki-tikki-tik-tik! Come then, Nagaina, come and fight with me. You shall not be a widow long!' Nagaina saw that she had lost her chance of killing Teddy, and the egg lay between Rikki-tikki's paws. "'Give me the egg, Rikki-tikki!' "'Give me the last of my eggs, and I will go away and never come back,' she said, lowering her hood. "'Yes, you will go away, and you will never come back, for you will go to the rubbish heap with Nag. Fight, widow!' Rikki-tikki was bounding all around Nagaina, keeping just out of reach of her stroke, his little eyes like hot coals. Nagaina gathered herself together and flung out at him. Rikki-tikki jumped up and backward. Again and again and again she struck, and each time her head came with a whack on the matting of the veranda, and she gathered herself together like a watch-spring. Then Rikki-tikki danced in a circle to get behind her, and Nagaina spun round to keep her head to his head, so that the rustle of her tail on the matting sounded like dry leaves blown along by the wind. He had forgotten the egg. It lay on the veranda, and Nagaina came nearer and nearer to it, till at last, while Rikki-tikki was drawing breath, she caught it in her mouth— "'turned to the veranda steps "'and flew like an arrow down the path "'with Rikki-tikki behind her. "'When the cobra runs for her life, "'she goes like a whiplash "'flicked across a horse's neck. "'Rikki-tikki knew that he must catch her, "'or all the trouble would begin again. "'She headed straight for the long grass "'by the thorn-bush, "'and as he was running, "'Rikki-tikki heard Darzee "'still singing his foolish little song of triumph. "'But Darzee's wife was wiser.' She flew off her nest as Nagaina came along, and flapped her wings about Nagaina's head, but Nagaina only lowered her hood and went on. Still, the instant's delay brought Rikki-tikki up to her, and as she plunged into the rat-hole where she and Nag used to live, his little white teeth were clenched on her tail, and he went down with her, and very few mongooses, however wise and old they may be, care to follow a cobra into its hole." It was dark in the hole, and Rikki-tikki never knew when it might open out and give Nagaina room to turn and strike at him. He held on savagely and struck out his feet to act as brakes on the dark slope of the hot, moist earth. Then the grass by the mouth of the hole stopped waving, and Darzee said, It is all over for Rikki-tikki, for Nagaina will surely kill him underground. So he sang a very mournful song that he made up all on the spur of the moment, and just as he got to the most touching part, the grass quivered again, and Rikki-tikki, covered with dirt, dragged himself out of the hole, leg by leg, licking his whiskers. He shook some of the dust out of his fur and sneezed. "'It's all over,' he said." The widow will never come out again, and the red ants that live between the grass stems heard him and began to troop down one after another to see if he had spoken the truth. Rikki-tikki curled himself up in the grass and slept where he was, slept and slept till it was late in the afternoon, for he had done a hard day's work. Now— he said when he awoke, I will go back to the house. When Ricky got there, Teddy and Teddy's mother and Teddy's father came out and almost cried over him, and that night he ate all that was given to him till he could eat no more and went to bed on Teddy's shoulder where Teddy's mother saw him when she came to look late at night. He saved our lives and Teddy's life, she said to her husband. Just think, he saved all our lives. Rikki-tikki woke up with a jump, for the mongooses are light sleepers. Oh, it's you, said he. What are you bothering for? All the cobras are dead, and if they weren't, I'm here. Rikki-tikki had a right to be proud of himself, but he did not grow too proud, and he kept that garden as a mongoose should keep it, with tooth and jump, and spring and bite, till never a cobra dared show its head inside the walls. You've been listening to Ricky tikki tavi by Rudyard Kipling. I'm Richard Figgy, and this has been for Reading Out Loud. Let me know what stories you would like to hear. Drop me an email at rfiggy. that's R, F is in Frank, I-G-G-E, That's it for tonight. I hope you'll join me again next week. In the meantime, be well, be happy, be sure to vote. All the best.